welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. I'm Rohan Karamandi, and with me today I have Phil. Hey, hey Phil. how's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So what's going on today in the world of uh, Home Assistant? Well, we have uh, always a new release, another two-weekly release, 065 is out. That's right. And uh, some awesome stuff, as usual. So I guess we can just right, get right to it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to cover off today, actually. So uh, Synology Chat has been added, which another thing I didn't know existed, thanks to the Home Assistant component list. <laughs> That's right. So the Synology uh, NAS system has a uh, its own chat server, by the looks of it, um, which can be used, I'm guessing, in replace of Slack or any of those other chat apps that people would use to have a cloudless-based chat system. Maybe not cloudless-based, but you'd be running your own chat server as opposed to relying on a um, a WhatsApp or anything like that. Right, right. Which, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the it, it's interesting because I'm, I'm actually curious to know how many people really use that, right? And uh, I, I guess there, is, there are people that use it out there, so that's... Uh, well, it's got to be at least one Home Assistant user using it now. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Somebody, somebody made this, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know it existed either. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, next up, we've got the simulated sensor, um, which I'm not going to try to say that I understand, uh, <laughs> Phil, I'm not so sure I if think you this understand is, it. So from what I, what I'm seeing is it's good if you, uh, want to test something out. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure this will be good for the demo actually. So let's say you have a uh, humidity sensor that you want to um, turn off and on fans when the humidity rises or lowers. Now, currently, you would have to go in and manually change those values or something like that to set the states. But with the simulated sensor, you can have this fake sensor that's automatically generating realistic values every X amount of minutes. Interesting. And and I'm wondering if the simulated sensor then can take, uh, take the persona of any other kind of sensor, like for example, to say uh, temperature or, or or something like that, right? Yeah, I would. I assume so. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty interesting, actually. So it's good for testing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just looking at it now. It's the the component provides a simulated sensor that generates a time varying signal, and it just yeah. Right. So up down up down. Yeah. Exactly. You just give it the mean, the spread, and a seed and where it goes and how many like how many seconds it should update right right that's pretty cool mm. um also we've got SongPal, uh so it's a sony audio control api on there so um devices like sound bars receivers um wireless speakers different kind of uh sony devices like that uh you can now utilize uh i thought sony was on there maybe i was mistaken maybe it wasn't yeah i think that might have been uh sony tvs right right i think and this then... is sort of like a more of a, the music players and the wireless speakers right and then because it would have been the bravia so TVs. that's kind of neat so now you can start using that as a media player yeah exactly yeah so okay so that's neat um up cloud server switches have been added in which was i thought that was an interesting component to add and also uh, the Sense Energy Sensor, which is similar to the other sensor we were talking about in the previous episode. I think you just plug it into your 
home energy power board somewhere and it will determine what is being used in the house. Yeah, so that's actually pretty pretty interesting. So there seems to be quite a few more energy sensors or energy monitoring uh, sensors coming into Home Assistant. So uh, I'm curious what's driving that. But there are some cool, I mean, Phil, you just mentioned offline we were, when we were chatting, you mentioned some stuff you were doing with, uh, with uh, Z-Wave. The washing uh, machine. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I guess the more information you can have you can d- deter- to determine what's being used in the house. I think um, back in one of the very first episodes we had with Dan, um, he was saying that you can also, because he had um, a lot of his uh, home managing being uh, monitored and going through his influx um, DB and then into Grafana, he was able to determine when people were home based on how much energy is being used. Because right. I guess, you know, when people are home, they're more likely to turn on the TV or turn on the AC, the heater, and then you could determine, you know, hey, the energy's gone up, someone must be home. So then you could change the house mode depending on how much energy is being used to say, hey, people are home mm. because the energy is being doing this, now let's go into this mode. Right, right, right. Which is, again, there's some interesting analytics uh, applications there too, right? So. Or mm, using, using analytics to to drive your automation, yeah. Uh, which which is which is interesting. I mean, it, it's I I still like your use case of uh, Phil, which is hey, is there is there electricity running to my washing machine? Yes. Is there? Is it not? Okay, cool. My clothes must be done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is uh, it, it's it's to me it's cool just because it's it's simple, right? <laughs> like, it's, but it's not something you think of so. And it can apply uh, to any device. You don't have to get the latest and greatest Wi-Fi switch or well, Wi-Fi ex- washing machine. Exactly, right? It's, it's you don't need to spend an extra, you know, couple hundred bucks. Or I'm, I'm not even sure how much how much a smart washing machine costs. It's uh, uh, yeah, it can be very expensive. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, filter sensors. So essentially, we're now starting to bring in uh, signal processing to that sensor. So more or less, it's the way, the way I understand. It's similar to uh, a low pass filter, or a high pass filter that you can uh, you can bring in. Oh, actually, it is a low pass filter and, and outlier filters. There you go. <laughs> things like that. So, so uh, this one, I'm actually so it's a sensor to normalize. Sorry. Yeah. So I have um, a uh, one of those Z-Wave six in one multi sensors, the little um, square ones from yep. Aotech or Aon Labs. And one of the zone, they're all fine. They all work. And I have them reporting the temperature every 15 minutes. And one, they're all fine except for one, which is the living room. And maybe three, four times a day, it will report that the living room is zero degrees Celsius. Oh. Uh, which is freezing. Um, even though it'll be the middle of summer and the rest of the temperature has been, you know, 24 degrees, 24 right. degrees. So I'm because I'm pushing everything through to Grafana, when I go look at my graphs, I now see these big spikes in the living room every, you know, four times a day, they'll be normal and then it'll just drop down to zero degrees. So now with the filter sensor, I can, um, if it gets to, you know, a zero degree reading, it'll just, no, that's not a real reading. I'm going to apply the mean of the last X amount of readings and not use that zero degrees. And so that'll actually improve my reporting in Grafana. 
Right. Well, as well as not maybe trigger some stuff, right? So. Well, exactly. Yeah. I don't want the heater to turn on because it thinks it's, you know, winter all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, to, to me, that would be more important too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think if you should always have multiple, um, temperature sensors where available just in case one like right. this goes out, um, which is why I have a whole bunch of Xiaomi temperature sensors, which I'll be using to supplement that room yeah, as so, well. So that way you have more more metrics to go on before you... Exactly, yeah. Because right now the problem I have is uh, with the temperature sensors, because they report every you know 15 or 30 minutes actually, um, mm-hmm. you know... It, we're in, at the moment we're in a two-story apartment so in summer you know we can have the aircon on and it cools the apartment down and then of course we want to shut the aircon off when it gets too cold to you know save electricity but because we're so high the within half an hour you could be really hot again and you have to wait for the um the update to come through with the latest temperature before the aircon will automatically turn back on right so the more uh sensors i have around that are reporting at different intervals and all that, it just gets a more accurate picture of what the actual temperature is as opposed to having to wait every half an hour for the next update. Yeah. No, which 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 makes sense. Um, that, again, it's it's around accuracy as well, right, for you, I guess, at that point? Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. So I have, I'm on the uh, Echobee ecosystem and uh, I've got a couple of the remote sensors as well that uh, that they have. So I went out, bought a couple of those. Uh, and, and Echobee does, it's interesting cause I learned that Echobee does an average. And, uh, so my basement is typically a couple of degrees colder than my, than my main floor. Mm. And I've got one sensor in my, in my basement and, uh, and, and a couple of sensors around, uh, around my main floor. So before I got the couple of sensors, I just had the one in the main, uh, the, the actual Echobee itself that's on my main floor. And then the remote sensor in the basement that came with it. And it was triggering it at like when I when in the first thing in the morning when I have it uh, about an hour before I wake up to turn on, uh, it was triggering uh, the heat to go off like crazy. And I was wondering what's going on and, and it made no sense to me. And I guess I just I just didn't read the documentation properly, <laughs> which 90 percent no of my instructions. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> And so it turns out it takes a full average of of uh, of all the sensors and then makes a decision based on there. So my my main screen was showing like you know twenty three degrees uh, for those of you in the U.S. In, in Celsius. My house isn't that cold. Uh, <laughs> and and but the house was actually like all, all of my all of my uh like my door sensors and stuff like that were showing like 25 or 26 and i was like okay i'm boiling here what's what's going what's on what's going on yeah and and it turns out it's because it was taking the average and my basement was much cooler it was trying to cool to an or it was trying to heat the house up to an average temperature of of 23 or or whatever i had it set at the time that's so now it's, and on your and on the display was it only was it showing the average of everywhere or was it only showing the display of just that unit yeah it was it was it, it's weird because i thought it was supposed to be showing me the uh average but it was showing me that unit at the time and sorry no the other way uh i thought it was supposed to be showing me that unit and it was showing me the average 
Right. And and that's why I was like, okay, this guy is, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't adding up to me, right? And and uh, so they they were their, their support team was uh, was pretty decent and basically went, hey, you need to read better here. Here's the documentation of why this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and and so now I have uh, I have my basement excluded. Uh, during the nighttime, I have that ex- excluded from my uh, uh, temperature sensing, so it doesn't take that into average. And I added more sensors, so I get a more even, <laughs> even uh, distribution of upstairs rather than having my uh, my basement included in there, uh, or even even when my basement is included in there, because I'm not in my basement a whole lot. So, does the ecobee allow you to schedule when a sensor is part of the mix or not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. Nice. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Exactly. So for my nighttime, it's the basement is excluded. Uh, so for me, it's it's just a static like past eleven thirty p.m. Uh, exclude yeah. the basement. Even even if I'm in the basement at that point, it'll hold the heat long enough. Uh, and uh, and I have a fireplace down there. Worst comes to worst, and then I can uh, and then when it becomes uh, morning again, whatever I forget what time I have it set to. But you know, let's say five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever. Then it takes everything into account. And so. do you are you the as a subscriber of, of like? Would you have Home Assistant control the data based on what Ecobee is telling you, or do you have just Ecobee running the thermostat and Home Assistant just reading what it's up to? Uh, yeah, so it's more of the second. Uh, I yeah. have other sensors that do read temperature and stuff. I just haven't gotten around to integrating that yet. Uh, but when I do, eventually, then <laughs> add it to the, then I can the to-do that. list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then one of the things I might do is uh, with the sensor that's in my bedroom, I might say, okay, you know what? If that gets past a certain temperature, just cut it off. So yeah. it's it's still there's there's still one or two there's still one or two nights you know in the last couple of months where it's been super hot all of a sudden, and it's like all right, that's not really convenient. And and it's not <laughs> it's not the nights it's about an hour or two before I wake up. So I have the pre warm up program turned on. So let's say if it's, if, if uh, my echo is uh, set to be 22 degrees at 6am, it'll actually kick it on at maybe at five o'clock to say, okay, you know what? The house is a little colder uh, at 6am. It should be 22 degrees. Uh, that's smart. Yeah, but that that's what keeps waking me up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, 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 keeps, it keeps trying to smart. trying to warm up the house for me, and yeah, so that that is something you can turn off. I'm I'm still kind of at a crossroads of, yeah, but then at that point when I get out of bed, then you know it's that it's it's a nice warmer temperature rather than a cooler temperature, which I'd like for sleeping. So yeah, it's uh, I think I'm just indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good little tangent there. Sorry, where were we? That's uh, right. So that, well, that was the filter sensor. <laughs> uh, okay, so next up uh, that's been added to uh, Home Assistant um, is a light group. So yes. Home Assistant are going to be introducing a new way of grouping devices together. So, uh, and the first one they've done is called the light group. So now you can create a new instance of a light and have it actually control multiple lights as part of that group. So on your front end, it'll look just like a normal bulb. It could be Philips Hue bulb. Let's, for example, it'll just look like another Hue bulb on your front end. And when you click into it, it will actually send the commands out to multiple bulbs, which is really cool. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's a little more efficient way of doing it. So like, for example, right now, I actually have, uh, I, I don't really group it, group it, but I, I have another uh, uh, input button, which says for, for my turn on lights or turn off lights or whatever, that, you know, just goes through, runs a script and kicks off a whole bunch of individual switches. So yeah. it's a nice way of doing it. Yeah, and I think it's um it's really cool because you could have like a, if you've got a living room with you know Hue lights and a LifeX bulb up here and a limitless LED globe over there, you can group them all into one little light in Home Assistant and you know change that bulb to green and then Home Assistant will then go out and fire and update this light this Hue bulb to green, update this LifeX bulb to green, do it all at once across right. multiple platforms. So then you just have one light to switch them all off and on. Yeah. So okay. So that's that's kind of. That is that is very useful. I'm sure this was uh, something that was asked for by the community. Uh, yeah. So the bit, first so. one's lights. It'll be interesting to see um, what else they're going to apply that to. Yeah. Um, I could I could see that coming into a few components. So. And then next up, we've got Zestimate or Z Estimate or Z Estimate, depending on where you're from. Um, <laughs> so it basically uses Zillow. Uh, if you're not familiar with Zillow, it's uh, I believe it's primarily a US based uh, service. I don't think it's here in Canada either. Uh, and essentially, definitely it's, not down on the... yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not around <laughs> where you are. Um, and, and basically, it just says, hey, you know, what are house prices uh, around this area? Uh, things like that, what should you could be kind of paying ish? Uh, or what is your house worth as well? So uh, I guess if uh, if your real estate agent also has APIs, you can even schedule your house to go on sale at a certain time. Yeah. Well, I found, uh, I went over first, all the docs, I was like, oh, here we go, another Bitcoin monitor, you know. And then I saw real estate, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I'm guessing it might be useful if you want to have a, once again, I think Home Assistant's now getting all this, so much data into it that it's great to have it into like the reporting tools like Grafana. So you can have Home Assistant just sucking down this data for your house price. Let's assuming that it's on Zillow and you you could graph your house price over time based on that data or maybe the average Uh, rent prices. Absolutely. Or, or even areas, right? Mm. So to say, Hey, if, if, if you're a, uh, if, if you invest in homes or in real estate, rather, um, you know, at that point, now you can start saying, hey, you know what? Send me alerts based on when this community goes up or community goes down, things like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, at this point, it's, it's restricted to uh, wherever Zillow uh, operates, which I believe is in the U.S. only. Uh, but that, that's actually a really, really interesting use case. And like you said, Phil, you, we can export that now to, to uh, Grafana. Mm. And, and we can kind of do some trending and things like that. Or, you know, hey, you know what? My house price severely shot down a couple of months ago or whatever right and based on that you can uh you can make a little more informed decisions hopefully whatever that decision is if your house price falls down too much maybe it'll just shut down the lights and say you can't afford the lights now anymore so let's just keep them off (laughs) yeah just 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 stop (laughs) at that point (laughs) and also the new media player component from the channels app uh, which is a app that you can install on an iPad. And I think they've got um, some Fire TV and Android TV apps as well, which allows you to watch uh, yeah. live TV and stream it around network players around the house. 
usually it uses like a HD home run server, which is a server that you just plug into your antenna and then it broadcasts that signal over your local network and then you can stream the live TV around your house. So now you can control that through Home Assistant. So that's a good addition. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill as well so maybe maybe i'm just out of touch i didn't know channels existed uh no, hd home run no, did no, i didn't no. know channels did and i was like oh okay that's kind of cool yeah i actually knew um hd home run existed because of uh, the plex dvr that's recently yeah come that's out. exactly which is which is why i knew it existed Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, there's also a camera proxy component out, uh, which is pretty neat, actually. So it lets you take a camera output and then uh, do some post-processing on it. Uh, and then basically based on that, you can generate uh, a new camera output or, or, or a new new video output, rather. Yeah, exactly. Which is good if you've so got like guess... a, a HD quality camera and you need and you don't need the hd stream to go out you can have home assistant size it down and then output the lower quality stream exactly and uh i, I wonder if you can if you can do things like uh or maybe this no i guess you can't i was going to say it'd be kind of cool if you can even watermark it or something like that right <laughs> yeah right and then you can... I, I think i think i'm asking a little too much right now i, I just have pictures of um ben from bright automation doing his next christmas tree um, control my Christmas tree episode with a, a live camera feed, and there's his little watermark of bra automation in the corner, all powered right? by Home Assistant. See, there you go, Ben. You're welcome for the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, HomeKit got a update. So last release um, in zero six four, Home Assistant added HomeKit support. They now are moving on, and they've added um, alarms, switches, and thermostats. So if you're a HomeKit user, you can now control those through home yeah. i'm 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 loving so i personally i'm not using the home kit integration and i sh- and i should because you're ios uh, right yeah i'm 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 primarily on an ios uh platform but what's interesting is well for me too it's it's also uh i i have my echoes all over the house and so for me i just yell you know her name yep. she who shall not be named Cannot uh i i just yeah I just, I just yell her name and you know say hey do this turn it on turn it off whatever and and now that uh home assistant cloud's been published uh sorry not yeah so home assistant cloud has been published on the uh on the amazon store uh in canada so now i've got that linked in with my with my has uh implementation as well so now i can say turn on the lights turn off the lights so on and so forth uh, rather than having to do it the old school complicated way, so which is really nice. Uh, but I, I don't have it integrated with HomeKit, but I'm loving how how quickly all the HomeKit stuff's coming in, and uh, you, you know what? It's it's just really nice knowing that I have the option to do it if I wanted yeah. to, and 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 it can support it. And in in the past, I was uh, I did play around with uh, with it, and you know, you needed another, I needed another Docker container spun up few other things like that so this is this is uh really convenient to to have it this way oh absolutely 
And I think it was a, a good decision by Apple to relax their hardware requirements. I think that was yes, been a very good thing for home. Well, it, it it only helps them in the end of the day. Yeah. All right, some breaking changes uh, as. Unfortunately, that comes along with the fast development. Um, big uh, breaking change for the Google Assistant integration. Um, so it's no longer possible to override uh, the domain that Home Assistant uses for an entity. Um, I don't know why you'd want to do this. Um, so a lot of people were using it to disguise temperature sensors as thermostats. Um, so to keep everything consistent with all the different sort of voice platforms and making sure that, you know, these unsupported hacks don't cause problems in the future. Um, you can't do that anymore with Google Assistant. Right. Uh, also with Asgardia alarm panels, uh, really, again, you, you're going to have to make some uh, some config changes uh, because of uh, code changes in the background. Yeah, lots of code changes there, which for better future uh, proofing, I think, is always a good idea. Yeah. Um, Instion PLM. Do you use Instion for PLM? I don't. No. Okay. Well, this one might be for you, but no, fine. I will, we'll let anyone else that's using uh, Instion PLM know that um, if you've created any platform overrides in the config, you'll need to go in and uh, change the device map. Um, it won't work anymore. Um, just check out the breaking changes in the 065 release before you hit that upgrade button. Yeah. Um, Air Visual's Air Index unit uh, now uses AQI instead of uh, PSI uh, for for units. So if you have any automations or anything that rely on that, then uh, you may be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Not pleasantly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or maybe a lot less than pleasantly. <laughs> Uh, tech savvy sensors um, the entity ID for peak upload usage um, has also uh, has been changed um, and there was another sensor as well um, just um, just for more consistency changing gigabytes and percentages around so if you're a tech savvy sensor user make sure you change those first as well yep. and another one um, for the pollen sensor which I think was only recently added. Um, once again, looks like it's a US only thing, but uh, there is support for adding uh, your zip code. If your zip code starts with zeros, it may not have worked. Uh, you can now use double quotes around your zip code to get your pollen information in Home Assistant. Right. Um, and, that, and I think this one affects you, Phil. Uh, the limitless uh, LED, the white temperature range has been changed. Um, ah. And now it should uh, it should match the uh, MeLite uh, app. Yeah, so in terms of the values. So in the last release, um, they they added the ability for limitless LED lights not to turn off and on each time you restart. And then I, I restarted Home Assistant and yeah. tried enough it worked. But then I turned them on and it was a different white color. I was like, oh, uh, so I just adjusted all the scenes, you know, adjusted the white balance. But it turns out it was a a little breaking change that was introduced. So I'll have to go and change. Interesting. Those. Was it? Was it was it actually noticeable? Yeah, well, maybe I'm a bit OCD, um, but it was sort <laughs> of like uh, it wasn't a warm light anymore. It was a, a harsh, um, cool white instead of a warm light that came through. So we like right. all our lights to be warm. And then I pressed the turn on button uh, after upgrading, and all of a sudden, the only the new LEDs that have the 
uh, white balance on them change from warm white to cool white. You could definitely look like we were uh, reading uh, our books under a in a hospital, basically. Right, right. Uh, your old school fluorescent or two. Yeah, exactly. Style. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Again, uh, we've mentioned this a few times uh, in terms of some other changes. Uh, minimum Python support version 3.5.3. Uh, apparently, over about 50% of the users are on either on Has.io or, or running it on Docker. So if that's the case, you're not affected. Uh, once, once you uh, upgrade the Docker image, the, the new version of Python comes along with it. So it's super convenient. Uh, but if you are using, let's say, a Raspberry Pi with VN or something like that, uh, then you will have to have to upgrade. Yeah. Which, once again, just make sure that latest versions are out, you know, not going to run into any issues trying to support older versions. Makes every everyone's life a bit easier. Exactly. Um, okay. So, and this was an interesting change that came through. So, uh, there's been the new uh, entity manager where you could um, customize what, uh, entity IDs were given uh, to each device, which was great for things like you know Plex and Sonos media players that might conflict names yep. here and there. Now you can actually, in the UI, if you've got, say, uh, a Philips Hue bulb that's decided to name itself, you know, Hue bulb 1, you can just click on the name and rename it to Bedroom Light, and that's it. It's renamed. You don't have to go into config YAML files or anything like that. It just works. Which is which is fantastic. This is uh, again. I keep we keep saying this, right? Which is this is kind of where the platform needs to be going to. Um, just simplicity and ease of use, right? I mean, yeah. there are some amazing benefits from using a config file, but it's not consumable for for everybody for the masses. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so the easier we can make configuration for everyone, the better. Yeah. All right. Uh, new optional words have been added to the conversation component. So, if you use the conversation component, which is, um, I believe it's uh, when you want to uh, use the microphone button in Google Chrome and talk to Home Assistant directly, you can uh, now make it more naturally, uh, nat- naturally, make it sound more natural when you're talking <laughs> with <laughs> the uh, with Home Assistant. So you know, you could say, you know please turn on the kitchen lights. You know, you could have the word please optional if you don't want to use your manners all the time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then some more good news f- uh, for you, Phil. Oh, there's yes. There's some Xiaomi improvements. Yes, I love Xiaomi stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's been... A, so, I, I'm loving this. So there's a newer generation of Xiaomi devices coming along. And there's support for them, so that's awesome. I'm I'm pretty sure at this point, Phil, people are just making the integrations in just for you. I know. Um, just <laughs> how big of a fanboy you are. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, there's some intent scripts uh, where you can use uh, voice commands to set colors of lights uh, for things like the echo, and then using things like API.ai. Um, I, I didn't actually realize that this wasn't possible before. I just assumed I, I don't have any, any color changing bulbs. So right. I guess, I guess I've never tried it, but I, I just, I just thought this would have, you could have done that already, yeah. but I guess not. So, so well, it, it depends. I think, um, so I don't have the ability with my echo to control the lights because I have a Philips Hue V1 bridge. Um, and I think you can only do that with V2 bridges for some you know, upgrade, pay us more right. money reason. Um, 
But if you're <laughs> using the um, intense scripts, which isn't, which is different, which I believe is different to the Home Assistant Cloud platform, so you would um, go in and create your own skills or something to that effect. Um, you can now pass um, more data to those intense scripts, including you know the color that you want to change the bulb to. And then because Home Assistant is right. doing it, it doesn't need to worry about what version of the Hue Bridge you're using. Okay. So that's that's uh, that's kind of handy too, uh, just because I guess you got a little normalization there, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's kind of cool. Um, um, so now if you're uh, using binary sensors, um, which I think everyone will be, there is a lock device class, which is a good addition to that. So, you know, I didn't know about the uh, device classes in the binary sensors for quite some time. I'm a bit embarrassed to admit it. And, you know, so I would have, you know, my door sensors and I wanted to say, you know, are they open or closed? And so I'd have additional template sensors to read, you know, the zero or one value from the binary sensor yeah. and then just have open or closed. But now uh, with the device classes, you can just, you know, go into your customized file and say, okay, this binary sensor is a door. And now the Home Assistant front end will automatically say open or closed and do the um, open or closed door value um, icon for you as well. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of yeah. that is that is very handy. Actually, I I didn't know that either. Oh, so awesome. Don't don't feel too bad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, REST commands can now also have custom HTTP headers set. So if you have a REST command that maybe logs in to a API somewhere and it needs to supply a HTTP header with the login credentials, you can now do that. That's a a good addition to have. Yeah. Um, also, there's there's improvements on the iCloud tracking component, which is great. So that's actually something I used to use and stopped using because it was destroying my battery. Yeah. It, it wasn't killing my battery like super hard, but it was it was bad. It was noticeable. Um, and so, was it only draining your battery when you activated it in Home Assistant, or was it just always a, a thing? Because I assume the iCloud tracking is always turned on, right? Like the Find My Phone feature. Yeah, so it is. But so the way it's from, and, and again, I'm not an Apple engineer, but from how I understand it, Find My Phone tracking feature calls home, you know, once every whatever minutes. Uh, and, but what we're doing is the way, the way it's implemented is it basically has to do, it goes in, uh, essentially logs in as you does a screen scrape and says, Hey, you're here, right? For the most part, um, it, it might have improved since I last used it, but that's essentially how it was working uh, before, right. uh, unless unless I have it mistaken, which is again fifty fifty <laughs> at this point. Uh, but uh, I, I found that that process itself, a uh, and this is when I had Home Assistant on my Raspberry Pi, uh, so it actually slowed things down for my Pi a little bit. Uh, but then it would also issue a command and, and because I want it some somewhat real time, right? Because so I have uh, notifications, alerts and things like that happening. Uh, what I, what I was doing is I, I asked it to check every minute, uh, which again is my own fault. Um, I think by default, Apple uses every 10 or every 15 minutes or something uh, like yeah. that. And and again, I could, I could be wrong on this, but that's, that's what I thought. Um, so, so more or less, what we're doing is we're going in and pressing the find my phone button, yeah, right? Yeah. And once a minute. Exactly. Because for me, otherwise, what was happening is when I walk in the door, um, You'd have I'm to wait. You know, still getting all of these notifications going, hey, motion detected, yeah, hey, door is open, yeah. hey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
So it, because it thinks I'm breaking into my own house now. Uh, so because again, if it's, if it's on a default timer of whatever, right, five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, it, that, that time was just too long. Which is interesting. So I found like with the same problem, I used um, the Bluetooth sensor and I think it scans every, you know, 30 seconds or something like that. But you still yeah. feel that delay, you know, you get home and lights aren't on, you know, it can take up to 30 seconds and it feels, you know, like 10 minutes in that 30 seconds you're waiting for all the lights to come on, but it's still that delay, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, as soon as you, it doesn't feel instant, you, you want, you need to feel like you have to change it. So yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's it's for me. What I found works really well is I've got a presence sensor in my car. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a Z Wave one. It's one of the smart things ones, and uh, essentially I have that basically detects more or less instantly or instantly enough between me getting out of my car, closing my garage door, and coming into the house. Uh, by within that time frame, it's already realized that I'm home. Yep. Um, and then which, which kills all the notifications and stuff. So I, for me personally, I found that that worked a little better. Uh, and then, and then I have that being delivered to home assistant by, uh, MQTT using the smarter, smart things, uh, component. Mm -hmm. So or not really a component, I guess it's a, it's a plugin, but, uh, and then from there, uh, home assistant knows whether to trigger my, uh, my alarms or not. And then, and, and I actually also use on the, cause I do have the smart things app installed on my phone still, which uh, I found that that's actually pretty decently efficient on, uh, on my battery to, to use that as a presence sensor. So, so does the Zebway that, presence sensor live problem. in your car? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little fob. Uh, it, it's actually a key fob. Mm -hmm. I just, I just hate having a hefty <laughs> set of keys. Uh, and then, so I, I just, I have a, in my car, I just have it in the glove box or whatever. And then, you know, that's, it's there. And when my car comes home or when I come home with my car, at that point it's done. Do you right? have any, and, uh, the house knows I'm here. Great. Do you have any sensors set up so that if you decide to go for walk the dog around the block that, you know, just because the car's home doesn't mean you're home. Is there, do you have any sensors set up to take that into account? Yeah. So that's, that's where my phone comes into play. Yeah. Uh, so really it's, it's, again, it's not perfect because, uh, there, there is the, Hey, what happens if my phone dies? Just, uh, mm. I was think I'm, I'm away. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so for me right now, I'm primarily using just my car, but, uh, my phone, like I said, my phone, uh, I'm using the home assistant, uh, or sorry, the smart things, uh, app as a presence sensor as well. Uh, and that seems to be that seems to work okay. Uh, again, the the, the Z-Wave one is is ideally the best. Um, and and if I really cared that much, I'd take it and put the key fob back on my on my keys because I I would always I I don't leave the house without locking it. Of course, yeah. So so I would uh, again. It, it's that that would be my that that's still a pretty fail safe solution. Uh, at, at least from 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 my use case, at least from what I've seen. So very interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, another little uh, change that snuck in there, uh, for those with Teslas, 
that I'm very jealous of. There are some new. There's a new switch there. Uh, <laughs> max charging. Uh, I assume you can turn max charging off and on now. But uh, more interestingly is uh, the new sensors that have been added. So you can now read your Tesla's odometer and the range left on your battery inside Home Assistant, which I think is actually a very good addition. Um, now Home Assistant can tell you when you are due for your next service or that you need to charge your car up tonight because otherwise you won't be getting to work tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, that's actually pretty useful. Yeah, I really like that. Now, now I just need a Tesla. Oh, yeah. Join the club, right? <laughs> Here's as good of a reason to get one as any. Elon, if you're listening, I'm always open to you. Just give me a Tesla. Make that two. Two? Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, in other news around Home Assistant this week, uh, another Thomas Crenn Award was won. Uh Third place this year. Uh, we got second place in 2017. So good on to Home Assistant and the community for making Home Assistant what it is to win that award. I think that's... Yeah, yeah congrats. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think we need to also uh, give a little mention to the new Raspberry Pi model that came out this week. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks interesting. So you and I were chatting about that, uh, I think, yesterday. Yeah. So it... it, it, it I mean... It does look, it, it is a modification of the Raspberry Pi 3, right? Yes. Uh, so it's not drastically different. It's not like, hey, you know, it's you can do all of these crazy things. Um, I think one of the big things was uh, they improved a lot of the, uh, a, a lot of the uh, power on auto, uh, auto boot settings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as uh, I think a little better, uh, Ethernet speeds. Uh, yeah, I think it's maybe a Wi-Fi update exactly as well. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, as long any improvements better than the previous one, so yeah. There also, you go. It <laughs> might spend more money by model a little bit cheaper. So the Raspberry Pi uh, that's true. current model is good, so it might be a bit cheaper to get onto Home Assistant if you're not using it already. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think the 3 runs it pretty well uh, anyway, so... Yeah, it's uh, if you're using a two run home assistant, at least at this point, because it's not home assistant still isn't super hefty. Um, uh, so it is still light enough to run in a pie. It, it definitely it depends. I, I do feel as though it depends how many components you use, though, and what you're using. So um, I'm sure if you were tracking every bit of information you possibly could and then dumping it to. Uh, an influx db all on the pi it might be a bit slow oh yeah yeah sorry no i yeah don't don't run <laughs> influx db on your, <laughs> your raspberry don't pi. Do that. <laughs> that's that yeah that's that, that's not a good idea that it's it's not meant for yeah. that right but you know what i want to do one day i want to get one of those have you seen those raspberry pi server racks that you can get yeah, yeah. i get like a whole yeah. bunch of those <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about good good we're on the same page and then i want to get like multiple home assistant instances and then each of those you know if, if those pies just does you know one component each and they all talk to each other and then if one home assistant like if one rack goes down there's another one to just you know okay now i'll take over control of that one until you fixed it up that, right. that would be cool it's you can also do that with docker i'm just that's, that's <laughs> I'm just also saying. true yeah <laughs> Yeah, much more flexibility <laughs> and probably cheaper. Okay, Docker it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I mean, we, there's nothing wrong with the way you said it. It's just, it's a little cheaper to yeah, do it on Docker. Cheaper. But it doesn't look <laughs> as cool though, right? You know, yeah, you could say, yeah, works in Docker. but That's true. I mean, with that little server rack, it's something physical <laughs> there. Like people can see it. Wow, that's cool. Exactly, exactly. So. Put some like neon lights uh, on it, powered by Home Assistant, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and Home Assistant could be, uh, can literally could be, Change the colors of those lights and exactly. stuff based on the status of your house. There you yeah. go. Or the status of your Tesla. Oh, the, or the status of your Tesla. Still waiting for and that. And hopefully mine oh. soon. Yeah, come on, bud. All right. Um, the Amazon Echo has a new update as well. Um, a new feature that was added in, the follow-up mode. Yeah. So, essentially, you can say, hey, what's your name? <laughs> uh, do this and this and this. And, well... Not, you can't really do an and, no. but essentially once uh, once the Echo starts executing it, it still listens for a little bit. You can So you can say, okay, also do this. Um, so I tried this last night, not realizing that I need to actually enable the feature. Uh, yeah, so you actually need to <laughs> This is also at it. like two in the morning. Yeah, you so. need to enable it on each device that you want to do it. So it's not an account-wide setting. So if you've got three uh, Echo Dots, you will need to activate it three times for each Echo Dot that you want it on. Yes, yeah, so a yeah. um, little bit of a pain there, but... But uh, it's a good way to teach uh, little kids manners, though. Uh, if you want to say thank you at the end of whatever command you've just said to a little friend, uh, she will respond with, you're welcome, or something like that. That's true. That's true. It, it, you know what? If if you got kids, it's a great way to teach it manners. Yeah. <laughs> use, use the punching bag of, uh, of, of your Echo. And then I also saw on the uh, Amazon Echo subreddit uh, people reporting that there's also a new mode that was added as well, just to make uh, Alexa's responses a little bit shorter. My apologies if she just awoke for you. Um, what you can do now is when you say her name, give her a command, instead of her replying, okay, she will just uh, give a little beep to say that she's acknowledged it, and that's it. No, no annoying uh okay really loud jartling you <laughs> yeah it's that's handy I, I i wish you could schedule that because so yes. i i kind of do like the actual verbal yes. response but let's say let's say your your partner's asleep or something and you're like well you've got a new baby hey do this yeah yeah you don't you don't want her yelling okay you you know, I'd rather have a beep. That's like <laughs> right? I um, reading um in, in on Reddit as well, you know, people just complaining, you know, oh it'd be nice if I can, you know, play some lullabies for my newborn, but then not have, you know, her yell out okay and then wake the baby up and everything's, you know, <laughs> back to square one. Yeah, exactly. So there's uh tech the technology is imperfect, yeah, let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> but you know, at least they're making but progress. Getting there. Yeah. You know what? I can I can yell at my house, and my house does stuff. So I guess I can't, <laughs> we can't really complain. No, we shouldn't complain. <laughs> uh, and uh, almost uh, before we uh, wrap up for the day, a bit of housekeeping for us. So the Home Assistant podcast is now available on Stitcher. So if you want to listen to your podcasts through Stitcher, you can listen to us there. And we've also added a new how to listen page to the haspodcast.io webpage where you'll find links to where we all are on all the various podcast apps. So you can subscribe there as well. That's right. And, and, and one of the, one of the forgotten ways that, that Phil, you, you mentioned yes, I think it's yesterday or day before yesterday on the, uh, on the discord channel, 
you can always ask your Alexa to play it. Just say, uh, or I said, yeah, you can't say, Hey, uh, you're already listening to the episode. It's so hard. (laughs) You can say, Hey, what's your name? Uh, play the episode, uh, play the latest episode of home assistant podcast. And, and it works. And Google home as well. That's all. Thanks to tune in radio. That's right. And as always, if you have any questions for us, feedback at haspodcast.io. We'll be making some changes uh, here and there, just tweaking the show notes, trying to get them a bit more organized for you all. You may have already seen some of those in your podcast app. Uh, If you have any ideas or or questions that you want to ask to talk about, once again, feedback at haspodcast.io. Rowan, have you got anything before we wrap it up? Perfect. Um, Yeah, I think think that's it for this uh, episode. For, For today. That is, yeah, this is episode 21 in the books. In the books. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Take care.